Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, everybody. Good to see all of you uh, this weekend at our Port Clinton campus. I've been looking forward to being here with you guys. My name's Todd. I'm one of the other pastors here at the church. And uh, man, we are diving into the book of Ephesians this morning. We're going to be in the second chapter. It was uh, C.S. Lewis, a great thinker and theologian, who was at a, a world religion conference, and they were debating, like, what is it that makes di religions different from one another, and what is it that makes Christianity so unique? What is it that makes it stand out from all other religions of the world? And C.S. Lewis responded brilliantly. He said, there's just one simple word that sets Christianity apart from everything else. It's the word grace. God's grace. This weekend, as we dive into the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, we're going to rediscover this concept of grace and what the Apostle Paul had to say to the Ephesians church. But before we dive into his word, we're going to look at his word or hear God's word in a little bit different way. Uh, some of you may not know, this is David Bunce. David is a member of our Sandusky campus of the chapel. David actually is a, a neighbor of mine, and our sons have been friends for many, many years. And uh, David, by day, is an engineer. But in the evenings, he spends his time rapping theology. He's a hip-hop artist that goes under the name Intellect. Now, I know some of you are like, wait, rap? hip-hop, like I didn't come to church for that. But here's what I want to, I want to challenge you. Just over the next few moments, we're going to hear an original piece of music that David wrote specifically for our church to reflect upon the truths found in the book of Ephesians. Actually, he's writing a new song for every chapter of the book of Ephesians. And so, humor us. If you don't like the style of music, just watch the lyrics as they come across the screen and tell me that this does not do something for your heart when we think about what grace truly is. Let's turn our attention to the screens. Yeah. There it is, children. Now, why don't we all sing it together? His grace is on my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's on my mind. His grace is on my mind all the time. His grace is on my mind. I, I am in flow. Yeah. His grace is on my mind, y'all. His grace is on my mind all the time. His grace is Yo, on my mind. I was a dead man walking the same path. Imitating others, we had chosen to trespass. We deserve God's wrath, the aftermath for those who oppose, but instead get exposed like someone with no clothes. The case should have been closed. Time's up, the door shut. Led to a holding cell with both of our hands cuffed. The fate of those who chose to live corrupt. We never know when our time's up, when God's had enough. Sons of disobedience, children of wrath, with the same mind that describes the nature of all mankind. Blind leading the blind, our fates were intertwined, but we didn't know that grace was a part of the design. And now I got grace on my mind. Yeah. It's so hard to define and measure. We never deserve this treasure that God freely gives to those dying to live. Now we're his, cause he was willing to die to forgive. Yes, his grace is on my mind. Yeah, it's on my mind. His grace is on my mind all the time. 
His grace is on my mind. I, I am in flow. Yeah. His grace is on my mind, y'all. His grace is on my mind all the time. His grace is on my mind. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Yeah. All right, his grace is on my mind. <laughs> I was going to try to wrap it live for you, but I just didn't think that was going to go over real well. Uh, give it a shot. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, actually, Pastor Ryan, he loves intellect. Sometimes you might walk by his office and that'll be thumping in the office, believe it or not. And, and this just in, if, in case you did not know it, Pastor Ryan can, can rap. He could have pulled that off. And so ask him sometime to, you know, lay down a little something for you. All right. Hey, th- so so th- this, this, this concept of grace is introduced in the second chapter of Ephesians. But before we understand, like, why do we need grace and why is grace so important, we first need to understand why it is that we need it in the first place. So turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And Paul says something here that is astounding. In fact, and by the way, if you want some more of David's music, intellect, you can text the word music to the number that's on the screen. You can go to our website under our media tab, and uh, you can find some more of Intellect's music and enjoy that as you go along. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Ephesian church, a group of Christ's followers, but he starts in chapter 2 with this phrase. He says, once you were dead. Why would he say such a thing? Like, that grabs your attention, doesn't it? Like, once you were dead. Now, he was speaking to people that were alive, and you and I were alive in this room. Our hearts are beating, blood's pumping through our veins. But he says, once you were dead. Why would he say such a thing? He's talking about a spiritual death, a separation from the heartbeat of God. Look at what he goes on to say. He says, once you were dead. Why? Because of your disobedience and your many sins. Paul says that the wrong attitudes and actions of our lives separate us from the God that loves us. Anything that we do, think, or say that goes against the very character of God is disobedience or sin. And all of us fall short. And that creates this spiritual death. He goes on to say, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. His spirit is at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us, he says, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, he says, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Now, we could read those verses, and part of us could say, well, 
So what? So what if I'm spiritually dead? I'm, I'm doing fine in life. I'm, maybe you're here, you're a skeptic. Maybe you're just kind of checking out faith. Maybe you, you, you don't have a relationship with God. You've been doing just well, living your own life. And you say, man, if, if I give my life over to God, now I'm going to have to follow all these rules and do all these things that I don't want to do and stop doing all these things that I like doing. And truth be told, that's in all of us. Like, Nine times out of ten, if, if we're going to choose what we want to do or what we know to be right and what God wants us to do, we're tempted, we're lured to just to feed self, right? The problem is, so many times in life, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we just skim the surface of life. Thinking that, man, the way that we're living, it's good enough, but what if what if there's something, what if there's a life that we haven't even discovered yet? What if there's something much richer, much deeper, much more purpose-filled that we're missing out because we're choosing just to live our way all the time? I love what uh, Thomas Merton said, and Philip Yancey quotes him and then makes commentary on it in his book, Vanishing Grace. Catch this. It says, spiritual dryness is one of the most acute experiences of longing that we can have. What are the symptoms? A restless search for pleasure, fear of death, boredom, addiction. He says any of these can betray a longing that is at its root spiritually the cries and whispers of someone who has lost the way. He's saying that there are symptoms in all of our lives that point to our spiritual dryness or our spiritual death or separatedness from God. And Merton calls it uh, losing the way. Another way to describe spiritual death is to be lost, roaming through this world, looking, searching. Maybe it is for pleasure. Maybe it is an addiction, something, longing for something more only never to be fully satisfied. And this is what Paul says is, is who the Ephesian church was, who they were, they used to be. He says, you once were dead and under the condemnation of God. But God is gracious. And that's what Paul goes on to describe in this passage. He says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace, there it is, that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Well, we've seen in the book of Ephesians from chapter 1, and we're going to see it throughout the book, 33 different times I think it is, that, that phrase, in Christ, shows up. It's the biggest difference maker ever. And he says, because you are with Christ, we're now seated in the heavenly realms. Verse 7, so, so God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. This is grace. He finishes one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture with Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and intellect quoted it at the end of his song. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed. And we can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done so that no one can boast about it. Paul's writing to the Ephesians. He says, listen, you were once dead, spiritually dead, cut off from the life that God had for you. Why? Because of your sin and your disobedience. That's where all of us find ourselves born into the world with a selfish, sinful nature. And because of that, we're cut off from the life that God longs for us to truly experience. But God shows grace anyway. And grace is this gift. It's not something that we can earn. Uh, I remember the first time that I heard this Bible verse sitting in a little Bible study with a group of teenagers. And I had lived most of my life thinking, as long as the good outweighs the bad in my life, I'll be okay with God. And then that verse hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized that God didn't play on a scale where it was about good or bad and which was going to weigh out. That the only way that somebody could be saved is by believing. He says it's a gift. A gift can only be received, accepted. And I went home that night from youth group and said, Jesus, please save me. Because I, for, for the first time in my life, I realized I was not ever going to be good enough. But I didn't have to be because of God's grace. And the same is true for you and me. So what is grace? I love how David put it in his song. This was one of the lyrics. He said, It's so hard to define and measure. We never deserved this treasure that God freely gives to those dying to live. There's so much rich truth in that lyric. You look around at the people that you do life with, that you work with, that you play on the field with, that you go to school with, that they're, they're, they're looking for life. And it's like dying in order to try to find life. And God is the one that died for us through his son Christ so that we could truly experience life. And that, again, is what grace is. It's hard to define. The, the Greek word for grace literally means God's favor or a gift or a blessing that is brought to humankind by Jesus Christ. I love the way that Andy Stanley puts it. He says, grace is the offer of exactly what we do not deserve. Thus, it can not be recognized or received until we are aware of, how, of precisely how undeserving we really are. We have to come to that place of realizing we are dead. We are filled with dry bones. And, and without the grace of God, we can never be restored to him. But because of what Jesus has done, we can be. We can have new life. We can be reconnected to the God that loves us and discover a life of purpose and abundant joy that was, would have never been possible apart from God and his grace in our lives. Oops. So I want us to take a few moments because the story of God's grace is, a, is not just a story of the Bible. 
It's not just an ancient story of people that experienced God's grace, like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, who, who squandered his father's wealth and blew it so badly and then thought, well, maybe I could just return home just as a servant. And the father lovingly welcomes him back and celebrates his son because he's returned. And, and the father actually quotes in Luke 15, my son was dead and is now alive. Why? Because of grace. So uh, Pastor Eric uh, is going to join us for a few moments, and he's going to interview a young man that has been part of our church for many years. He came up through our youth ministry, in fact, when Eric was leading the youth group, but then drifted far away. But thankfully, when he hit rock bottom, God reached down in grace. So let's listen for a few moments to Alex's story. I need to talk about grace. I have my friend Alex with me, and I've known Alex since he's been 15 years old. And as I've continued to journey with him, his story reminds me of what grace really looks like. And so Alex, tell me about when you were in high school and you started to follow Jesus in your own life. So uh, I always grew up in the church. Me and my mom started coming here, like you said, when I was about 15. And uh, I was really involved. I always come on Sundays to the youth groups and I was part of the retreats and all of the missions trips and I loved it. And God was a part of my life. He was a part of my routine still a high schooler so maybe you know he wasn't in first place all the time but uh it was part of my life that definitely was there that i i didn't took for granted i guess but you uh did not continue on with that relationship with god i know we lost track of each other and i know from there it kind of went downhill what happened yeah when um i uh, end up going to college like most people and i got the typical college experience and I started kind of drinking a little more than everyone else and started doing drugs and some of that stuff and instead of going to classes I started drinking and doing more drugs and hanging out with people that were about that life and uh, so I didn't really have very many good influences at the time and um, I ended up at a point in Bowling Green where I, was, I, I wasn't going to my classes and I, I had let drinking really take over and so I ended up moving back home and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I, I, I got to do something. I can't just sit around. And so I went down to Chillicothe to the recording school there where I got my uh, audio certifications and uh, moved back up here and then decided I wanted to go down to Columbus. So Columbus seemed like it had some good opportunities at the time in the audio field and I knew some people. So I moved down there and I got a job, but it wasn't an audio job, but it was, it was good money. And, um, I ended up spending most of that money on drinking and doing more drugs and falling pretty deep into it and the people I was meeting and surrounding myself with were pretty bad influences and I ended up not just doing drugs but selling drugs and um, I was making a lot of money and I had a nice car and I had all these things people wanted and you know there was that like I'm the man mentality and um, I thought I was the coolest guy ever and I still would have just had this pit inside of me and I just felt completely empty and um, depression and anxiety started really taking over and I was to the point where I started to become pretty suicidal and I knew I had to leave and get myself out of that situation so I moved back up to Sandusky again back in with my mom yeah. and um, started putting my life back together and 
um, I, I did kind of start putting my life back together and I was thinking, wow, you know, like, look at me, like, I can do it all by myself. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, you know, patting myself on the back, I'm the man, and I ended up getting two good jobs and I was making decent money and I moved into a house with my buddy and I met a girl and I thought that was it, it's the final piece of the puzzle and now, like, it's, you know, I'll be happy because I've got stable income and, and, a, and a great girl and I ended up making her the god of my entire life. It, everything revolved around her. My happiness completely revolved around her. I had put her so high up in my life that she was above all my mother and everyone. And um, suddenly everything just fell apart. I lost both my jobs during the lockdowns. I had to move out of the place I was living back into my mom's again. Um, and then the girl who I had made the god of my life left. Um, she never really actually told me why she left me and that broke me more than I ever thought it could that I had put my trust in this person and they just left and never said anything and I at this point I had hit a low lower than I had before and I was outside contemplating taking my life and I was sitting there basically crying for hours crying out to God saying I thought you were real, and, I, and if you're real, then, then just show me, like help me. Please just pull me out of this. And I was in a moment of wanting to die, and I felt peace, and I felt a hand on me, and I felt, I felt him there saying, I'm, I'm by your side, I never left. And that's grace. Grace is God saying, even though you turn your back on me, I'll never turn my back on you. And when you decide, I want you again. God is right there. And he did that for you. And now here we are. You're part of our tech ministries and you're involved in the chapel. Tell me where you're at now. Well, he definitely uh, he definitely laid the hammer down when he wanted to get my attention, which I will forever be grateful for the way that he works because he does work. And when he decides something's going to happen, it happens. And I'm, yeah, I'm back here, back with the, fam you know, the chapel family. And I'm, and Every day is a blessing now, and I, I get to read his word and hear him. And that's what grace is. I, I love you being so authentic with your story, and I appreciate that, and we appreciate that. Grace is God coming after us and doing for us what we can never do for ourselves, and you're the epitome of that. Hope you're encouraged by Alex's story today. Aren't you grateful for God's grace? And your story, your story may be very different than Alex's. Maybe you grew up going to church and grew up in a good home, and, and maybe, you know, you thought, you're, you're like in the prodigal son story, there's the elder son who, who seemingly had it all together, never left his father, you know, always did the right thing, and yet he was almost just as far from the heart of his father as the son that had wandered away. <laughs> the, the journey for all of us back to God is a journey of grace. No matter if we were down this path or that path, Paul reminds us we were once dead. But because of God being so rich in mercy, he extends his grace. He always welcomes us home, no matter where we've been, no matter what we have done, because he wants to do something in our lives and through our lives. In fact, that's the very next verse that we find in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Look at it with me. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. 
He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. In the very opening chapter of the book of Ephesians, we learned about how God has chosen us and He's predestined us and He's adopted us and He's loved us. And part of what God did from eternity past was to plan specific things, good works, for you and I to be involved in. But we'll never step into His plan for our lives until we first experience His grace. And it's grace that leads us to those next steps in our lives. That's our mission here at the chapel. We say it every single weekend to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. And that only happens because of God's grace. So as we come to a close of our services this weekend, I want to give us two practical next steps. The first is this. The first is to make sure that you've accepted God's gift of grace. If you're here this weekend and you're just kind of exploring or you're a little skeptical, I want to challenge you to consider God's gift of grace. That you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to clean yourself up. God is just reaching out saying, if you'll just come to me, I'll give you my love, my forgiveness, my grace, and let me then change your life and lead your life. Or involved and weekend, and like Alex's story, you were once tight with God and really involved and, and walking close with the Lord, but something's gotten in the way. Life happened, kids happened, a job happened, sin happened, addiction happened, whatever it was, and you know it's time to turn back home. Accept God's gift of grace. And if you want to talk to one of us, Pastor Ryan, myself, uh, Spencer, any of us, we'd love to walk with you into that journey, pray with you. The second practical next step is some of you came perhaps even this weekend as a newcomer or a guest of somebody. And uh, so after our services, right out in the atrium, there's a table out there, and we'd just love to meet you for a quick meet and greet time. Pastor Ryan and I will be out there, some of our other team members. If you'd like to ask questions, if you want to better understand this this concept of grace, or you want to better understand why, why do you guys do church the way you do church, or why are things the way they are? Uh, if, you, if we can answer some questions, if we can help you in any next steps, stop out there. We'll give you a little gift, and we'd just love to connect with you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll pronounce our benediction together. God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for working